welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org. I love it when uh, you know what you're going to preach about and then the whole time of worship pushes you towards your preach. And uh, God is very good like that, very encouraging. I guess if there was a title for my preach this morning, it would be how great is our God? And uh, we've been singing that for the last 10 minutes. So uh, absolutely brilliant. Uh, fantastic time of worship this morning. Real presence of God here was just so lovely. and It's, uh, it's just lovely when God comes and meets with us, isn't it? So uh, let's just pray. Lord, come and speak to us this morning, we pray. Lord, whatever has been prepared, take that which is of me and just give us which is of you. We want to hear your heart for us this morning. So come and speak to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, <clears throat> we are going back to our story of Joshua. And uh, if you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 6, which is the fall of Jericho. Uh, Dave mentioned a little bit of this a couple of weeks ago when he spoke about the um, commander of the Lord's army. And uh, I just want to go back a little bit because... Um, Part of this story of taking of Jericho is about Rahab. And uh, Rahab is a key person within this whole story. And she starts in Joshua chapter 2. And you may remember, um, I think someone, was that you, Dave, that spoke on Rahab? I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, Dave spoke on Rahab as well. And just to remind you, um, Joshua sends spies out to look at Jericho. And um, Rahab hides the spies in her house, which is in the wall. And uh, when the soldiers come, she sends them the wrong way, and she releases the spies. But within that story, Rahab has an absolute revelation of who Jehovah is, which is incredible, considering that Rahab is a Canaanite, so she's a Gentile, And she's a prostitute. So really, she's the lowest of the low, if you like, in view of uh, even the Canaanite society. And yet, within that situation, God uses her in this whole story of the taking of Jericho. And you cannot disengage the two things. It is amazing that God chooses Rahab of all people. It is amazing, but it's not unlike God. Because he came to save and seek those who are lost and make those who are sick well. And that is the story of Rahab. It is a story of salvation in this city, which is absolutely incredible. And uh, the verse I want to look at, just very briefly, uh, from Joshua chapter 2, Rahab says this, For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now that is a revelation of God. She can't have learnt it. She may have heard about Jehovah, but that is a revelation of God. That is salvation coming to Rahab in the moment. It is a God revelation. That is the only thing it is. And from that, from that, she makes this deal with the spies that when they finally come and take Jericho, which she knows they will, 
She says to them, I know that Jehovah is going to come and take uh, this city. I want you to save me and my family. And so they agree this deal that they will do that. And they say, what you have to do to show us where you are is you have to hang this scarlet cord out of your window. If that doesn't speak of the blood of Jesus, what does? Salvation comes to the city of Jericho. A city that is the biggest city in the world at that time, hugely fortified. The walls are four foot thick on the outside. The next walls are two foot thick. It is hugely fortified. It is impenetrable. And within that whole situation, this people that sacrifice their children, that are into all sorts of uh, sin and lust and all kinds of things. The Canaanites were an evil race of which she is one, God comes and saves her and her family. It's a wonderful story of God's grace and his salvation. Compare what she says in that verse to what the children of Israel say when God comes to them. In Numbers 31 verse 33, it says, the people said this, the people of Canaan, the people of the land are too strong The land devours its inhabitants, and our people are strong, and there are giants in the land. We seemed like grasshoppers in our minds, and Peter spoke about this grasshopper mentality, that you look at the circumstances, you look at the giants in the land, and you say in your heart, this is impossible. And that is exactly what the children of Israel did. Compare that with what Rahab says when she says, the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens and of the earth below. There is a huge difference. Rahab, a Gentile, a prostitute, knows who Jehovah is. The children of Israel, God's chosen race, they don't even recognize it themselves. They're scared. They're saying, we're not going to go into this land. They bring a bad report back to to Joshua, and they say, we're not going to go in because of the giants of the land. And it's that view that I want us to think about and look at today. So let's read the story of the walls of Jericho. Joshua chapter 6. The gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. So Joshua called together the priests and says, take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. And he gave orders to the people, march around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horn started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns and some behind the ark. 
with the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout. Do not even talk, Joshua said. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. Then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. And again the armed men marched in front of the priests with their horns and behind the ark of the Lord. All this time the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day they marched around the town once and returned to the camp and they followed this pattern for six days. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they'd done before, but this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction or you yourselves will be completely destroyed. And you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could and suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. They completely destroyed everything in it with their swords, men, women, young, old, cattle, sheep, goats, and donkeys. And meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, keep your promise, go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all her family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel and the Israelites burned the town and everything in it only the things made from silver gold bronze or iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house so Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho and she lives among the Israelites to this day great story of God completely taking over and giving the city of Jericho to Israel. This was not a battle made by man. And that is the most important thing that God is trying to teach the children of Israel at this point is they are not to fight. He comes right at the beginning and he says, I have given you this city. The commander of the Lord's army comes and the hosts of God are there. And God is giving them this city. This is the first city to fall in the new land that they have come into. God's power is being revealed through this story. And the story is completely mad. It just doesn't add up in any way, shape or form. There are commentaries that uh, will say to you that as the people walked around the walls of Jericho, they somehow created... Uh, a kind of rumbling under the ground. And as they went round and round and round, and then they did a big shout, this rumbling kind of caused a mini earthquake, and the walls therefore came down. I'm sorry, but actually it's easy to believe that God does a miracle than believe that, in my view. It's crazy how to try and destroy something that God has done. This is, this is a total act of God. 
He is saying, I am Jehovah. I am king of all the earth. Nothing gets in my way. It doesn't matter how strong this city is. It doesn't matter how thick your walls are. It doesn't matter how many soldiers you've got. All that is immaterial. Because I am Jehovah. And I rule the heavens and I rule the earth. And the only person that saw it is Rahab the prostitute. Do you see it? What is your view of God this morning? Is he king over all the earth? Over all your circumstances? Or is he king over part of them? He is king over all of them. He is king over all the earth. Whether we feel it or not. And sometimes when we look at the world, we, we can't see it. We think, where are you, God? But he says, I'm king. I am Jehovah. God wins this battle completely and utterly. It is crazy what they did. Just walking around this huge fortified city seven times for seven days and then walking around it, they must have had the mickey taken out of them so much. They must have had all kinds of stuff thrown over the walls at them. You just don't even want to think about it. And for seven days, that happened. And their, their faith must have been at breaking point. Is this going to happen? Day three, day four, day five, another load of stuff thrown at them, laughing from the ramparts. Where is your God? Sometimes it feels like that for us in our circumstances. The world laughing at you. Where is your God? He is there. He is there. God wants us to have faith in the most difficult circumstances. And if you read in Hebrews chapter 11, this great chapter on faith, in there it tells us, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, it says, It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. This was faith. This was having faith in Jehovah that he was going to do what he had promised. Even though it looked completely crazy. Even though it looked completely mad. Even though they couldn't see the end result. It wasn't that the walls began to crumble on day three and they were thinking, great, let's go round again. No. Nothing happened and nothing moved until day seven. And then God came and blew the walls down. Just as he'd done with the Red Sea. This is an impossible situation for man. And God loves impossible situations because that is when he can show his power. You come to the Red Sea and the Red Sea is before you and all the soldiers from Egypt are behind you. It's impossible. There is no way out. Then Jehovah comes and opens the Red Sea. And this is the same. He's saying, listen, do you know who I am? I love this uh, quote from uh, Matthew Henry, who, who, whose commentary on the Bible is always good to read. 
The language is a little bit old, but it just sums it up for me. It's brilliant. He says this about the walls of Jericho. It was to try the faith, obedience, and patience of the people. To try whether they would observe a precept which to human policy seemed foolish to obey and believe a promise which in human probability seemed impossible to be performed. Thus by faith, not by force, the walls of Jericho fell down. It was to encourage the hope of Israel with reference to the remaining difficulties that were before them. The strongest and highest walls cannot hold out against omnipotence. Hallelujah. I love that. Listen, we should have that on our fridge. You should print that out. The strongest and highest walls cannot hold out against omnipotence, cannot hold out against God. And that has to be true of your circumstances. Otherwise, you might as well give up and go home. It's no good reading stories in the Bible and saying, isn't it wonderful? Jehovah came and he bashed down the walls of Jericho and he showed his people how amazing he is. But on Monday morning, I go to work and I hate it and my boss is a nightmare and I can't get over it. And it's a situation that is impossible. Then you have to read that out. Then you have to say to yourself, hold on a minute. God is omnipotent. There are no walls that can hold him. He can overcome everything. But this has to be our experience and mine. And it's not. It's not all the time. Sometimes it is. But it's not all the time. We are bowed down by our circumstances. They seem like huge mountains. And God says, you have to understand who I am. You have to understand that I am Jehovah who rules the heavens and the earth. Anything you have, bring to me. Anything you have, any problem, any difficulty, any circumstance that you cannot see your way around, bring to Jehovah. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he's not, then let's give up. He is. He is Jehovah. The omnipotent. Hallelujah. We have to learn that's who he is. His ways, the Bible tells us, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. The people as they walked around those walls must have thought they were crazy. He defies our thinking. Don't try and put him into your thinking. Don't try and get him to to work out your situation in your own mind because otherwise you're just decrying what he can do. You can't fit God into your mind, into your thinking, into your plans. He's too big for that. Hallelujah. He's too big for that. By faith, the walls of Jericho came down. Those people had faith in Joshua and they had faith in Jehovah. And the challenge for us is that when we come across situations and circumstances in our life is to exercise that faith in the moment. To say, God, I need to remember who you are. 
I am bowed down by this situation. It is killing me. I am waking up at five o'clock in the morning worrying about it. That's when I need to read Matthew Henry. I should have it next to my bed. I will. I'm going to put it next to my bed. But that's when we have to remember it. It's not on Sunday mornings when we're worshipping together and the Holy Spirit is here and it's great and it's lovely and we feel warm and wonderful. It's not then. It's in the middle of the week when you're really struggling with the situation and the circumstance. That's when we need to come to Jehovah and say, God, I need your help in this situation. I need the God who took down the walls of Jericho. Come and do it. Come and do it. What is your Jericho at the moment? I don't need to know. I just think you need to know. I know what mine is. And into that situation, I need to bring God. You see, our problem is, or one of our problems is that we try and work everything out ourselves. So often, when we come across situations in our lives, we then go into action mode. And we think, right, I'm going to try and sort this out. And we go through so much in our own strength. And so often, when we're absolutely worn out and exhausted, we think, oh, I should have prayed about this. And it's the wrong way round. God says, come to me first, not last. You come to me when you're absolutely exhausted and worn out and you're on your knees. And actually, because I'm grace-filled and I love you, that's fine. But let's get it the right way around. Why don't you come to me at the very beginning? You say, God, I cannot deal with this situation. It is beyond me working it out. God says, lovely. I love situations where you cannot work it out. Why? Because I can come and work it out and show you my glory, show you who I am. Hallelujah. Don't sit there and write down the pros and cons. Don't go to your next door neighbor and ask them what you should do or a friend who isn't a Christian. It's pointless. They have no idea who Jehovah is. They can give you advice, but do they know who Jehovah is? No way. They can't say to you, listen, you need to trust God in this situation. No, of course they're not going to say that. They're going to say, write your list of pros and cons. Work it all out. See what's the best. What about the percentages? What do you think? 60, 40, 70, 30? Whoa. Come on, God. That's what we want. We want God to come. And so many people, when we pray for them, they say, well, I, you know, I spoke to this friend and I spoke to this person here. And I go, why are you taking advice from these people? They have no idea who God is. They may give you wise advice, don't get me wrong. But actually, it's going to be worldly advice. That's all they can give you because they don't know God. You have to come and sometimes we pray for people who say, do you know what? You've got to trust God at the moment. You've got to hold fast. And sometimes that's the last thing we want to hear. But you have to take it from brothers and sisters in God who are listening to what the Holy Spirit says to them. 
I have this boss who's an absolute nightmare. He, he will not let me do anything. He just constantly puts me down. He's been there 30 years. There's no way he's going. I've heard this before. Listen, do you think God is bothered by this guy? He can move him in an instant. You can't see it. You have no idea how he's going to do it. There are a million things that can happen, but God's hand, when it moves, is powerful. He, I'm not saying he will always be moved out of the way. It may be that God is working through him to teach you something. But, you know, we come to God as though it's the biggest thing in the world, that God can't do anything. And he wants to say this morning, listen, remember the walls of Jericho. This is 100% God and 0% man. That's what we want in our lives. 100% God, 0% Neil, 0% me, trying to work it all out and be clever and be strong. You know, the world says when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Sorry, but in the kingdom, it's totally opposite to that. When the going gets tough, God comes. I'd rather have God on my side than my strength, or me and Phil's strength, or me, Phil and Peter's strength. Listen, that's nothing. It's God. I can't see a way out. I can't see what God is going to do in this situation. There are no options available. This is impossible. Why me? That's the other one, isn't it? Why me, God? We love that one, don't we? When situations get difficult, often we say to God, why me? Why me? Because God is teaching us that he is God of the heavens and he is God of the whole earth. And you can put your trust in him. So by faith, the walls of Jericho came down. What I love about this story is that Rahab is honored so much for knowing who Jehovah is. We read from Hebrews 11. It says, it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. True. What does verse 31 say? It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Listen. Hebrews 11 is called very often the great examples of faith. There is Abraham. There is Moses. There is Joseph. There is Daniel. There is Joshua. And there is Rahab. <laughs> I love it. All the great men of God. And, and Paul goes on to say, I can't even talk about some of the others. Samson and all these, these ones that we look up to. 
And in the middle of it all, there is Rahab the prostitute. Hallelujah. This is the God that we love, that comes and saves in an impossible situation. A prostitute, a Gentile, someone that doesn't know God at all, and he says, I'm going to save her in the moment. I'm going to do something amazing. And it's so amazing that actually her name is written in Hebrews 11 with all the great men of God. There's only two women in Hebrews 11. Rahab and Sarah, Abraham's wife, because she believed God when he told her when she was 90 that she was going to have a baby. Only two women. But it even gets better than that. Go to Matthew. Chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 is the genealogy of Jesus. So it lists all the people who, from Abraham right through to Jesus, are listed in Matthew chapter 1. Verse 5. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. And Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David. And it goes right through, carry on reading, to Jesus. Rahab, the prostitute, the Gentile, probably the lowest of the low in that city, is in the genealogy of Jesus. <laughs> I love it. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. It's brilliant. I just read this, this is a quote. It says, the lineage is composed of men, women, adulterers, prostitutes, heroes, and Gentiles. And Jesus is the saviour of them all. (laughs) This is the God we love. This is the God we serve. That can take a woman like that and use her for his glory. Mentioned in Hebrews 11. Mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And that is what God is all about. She's also mentioned in James chapter 2, verse 25, where it talks about faith and works together. It says, Rahab the prostitute was justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. Faith and works working together. And this is the God that we love. This is the God that we serve. What I love about Rahab is that she recognized who Jehovah was. Not through any teaching, not through anything the Canaanites would have told her. They knew who Jehovah was, but they worshipped their own gods. In fact, they worshipped the moon. That was what, uh, that was what they did. That was, um, the meaning of Jericho was that they worshipped the moon gods and the sun gods, things like that. Anything but Jehovah. But she knew by a revelation of the Holy Spirit that God is the God of heaven and of the earth. Hallelujah. 
And so, you know, it's good to talk about her. And I just felt, you know, there are some people that we discount from being saved. When you pray for people to get saved, you might pray for a friend or someone that you like or a next-door neighbor or whatever. Don't discount anybody because God doesn't discount anybody. He never has and he never will. He is the God who is powerful to reach everybody, to save everybody. So, the children of Israel, they march round and God reduces Jericho to rubble. The walls come down. And that is their first victory as the children of Israel. The sad thing, really, as we go on, looking at the next few chapters, is that we will see that the children of Israel don't particularly learn their lessons very quickly. And in the very next chapter, they do their own thing and forget what God has said. And I pray that's not our situation in our circumstances. God speaks to us through the word so that we can learn, we can understand, we can remember who he is when situations get difficult. And that is what we want to do today. We want to come and remember who God is. And all morning he has been pointing us to Jehovah, this great God of mercy, this great God of love. And we would stand here this morning with Rahab and say, the Lord our God, he is God in the heavens above and he is God on the earth below as well so let's remember what God did for Israel taking down the walls of Jericho and let's remember this this woman Rahab that God has saved out of this horrendous situation out of this city full of evil but more than that let's remember that our circumstances are covered by Jehovah God bring them to him first not last Come to him straight away. Bring them and say, God, I want you in this decision. I want you in this circumstance right at the beginning. There is nothing too hard for God. My reading, what part of my reading this morning was Romans, and it says, you know, all things work together for good to those that love God and are called.